Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. And he said, okay, well, you should die. And God do more to you also. No mercy in this man. Where's the care? Where's the compassion? Did Samuel condemn Saul this bad when Saul violated the sacrifice? Saul lost the kingdom, but Samuel never threatened Saul with death over it. Saul is being a little too harsh here, I think. Rash oath, remember. Also, take notice that Jonathan made no excuses for himself, did he? He didn't make excuses. Oh, well, this and that, I, but, but I was scared. I, he says, yeah, I, I, but I only ate honey. I did do it. I ate honey. Um, you know, I was talking to Anna the other day about Jonathan's good character compared to his father's bad character. And Anna said, so who raised him? Who raised Jonathan? Obviously, Saul didn't. That was a good observation. How these guys turn out so different? I don't know. But Jonathan made no excuses. He owned up to what he said. Yeah, I ate, but I just ate honey. I just ate honey. What was Saul jumping on the people about? He said, here, slaughter animals here, but don't eat the blood. Now, what's Jonathan saying? Yeah, I ate, but I didn't eat any meat. I didn't eat any blood. I ate honey. Very important that he only ate honey. Jonathan did not break any Levitical law. But somehow that huge detail, I just ate honey, Dad. That huge detail seemed to just fly right over the top of Saul's head, did it? He should have said, what, you only ate what? You only ate honey? You mean you didn't eat meat with the blood in it? Oh, well, that changes everything. No, he goes, oh, God, do more to you also. You will die. Jonathan didn't do anything wrong. But Saul said that Jonathan should still die, even though he never ate any blood. 1 Samuel 14 and 45. But the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die? Who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. This is the people telling the king this, by the way. Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Verse 46, Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Wow, finally, the Israelites told Saul, no, Uh uh-uh, not having it. You see how bold they got all of a sudden? (laughs) Whew, man. Now, let me ask you a question. If you can remember back a few chapters back, who were the people saying no to not long ago? They said no to God. Now they're saying no to the king that they wanted instead of God. You see the changes happening here, the dynamics, the the viewpoints, and the, the people are starting to wake up to a few things. They're starting to realize stuff. They told the Lord, no, give us a king. 
But the Lord warned them how this king would behave, and now they're getting exactly the kind of king that God said he would be. But what a turnaround with the people, though. They're starting to see what they refused to hear from God. God told them. He warned them. Don't do this. They're starting to see what they refused to hear. Why? Because they're fed up now. They're finally tired of it. They finally had enough. All this abuse, 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 and Saul is about to take Jonathan, the one guy we can finally follow. He's going after him now. That's it. I'm done. We've had enough. And they spoke up. They had been too afraid to speak to the king. Remember when he said nobody said a word? They were afraid to speak, but he pushed them into such an oppressed position that once they saw Jonathan was a real leader, they became bold and spoke up for Jonathan. And so when they resisted the king, which was an unheard of thing to do, then everybody just went home. Saul had just recently got chewed out in front of everybody by Samuel. I mean, Samuel really let him have it. Samuel was about one of the only men that could. I don't think Saul could. I think Saul just couldn't take it. And so when the people spoke up and said, no, not one hair. You realize it says he he went home. I think Saul couldn't take it. I think he wanted out of that situation when the lot fell on him and Jonathan. And now that the people were saying no, it says he went home. It's like, oh, you know what? Fine. I'm out of here. A real king, a good king, does not obey the people. The people should obey the king. A good one. 1 Samuel 14 and 47. It's talking about Saul's continuing wars. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side. Against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them. It says he harassed them. Major point. Verse 48, and he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Yeshua, and Malkishua, and the names of his two daughters were these, the name of the firstborn Mirab and the name of the younger Mishal. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimez, and the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner. Y'all remember that guy, Abner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. That's an important point, too, in verse 52. There was never any peace with this king. Never peace. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. Not a good king to be under. Now, you look there in verse 47, again, Saul harassed his enemies everywhere he turned. Do you think you can ever expect to have peace while you're under a king that constantly stirs everything up? When you're under a king that is hell-bent on stirring up war, you'll never have peace under that king, right? This king is a warmonger, and he was running a persistent track record that shows he's going to do what he wants when he wants, 
and nothing and nobody is going to tell him otherwise, whether it was Samuel or the Lord or the people. Saul is going to do what he wants to do, what he wants to do, not necessarily what the Lord tells him. So when we see that Saul started taking valiant men, brave men for himself, that is proof that Saul is turning out to be exactly what the Lord warned Israel, the kind of king they were going to get. God told Israel what he was going to be like, the kind of king for rejecting him as their king. And the Lord warned Israel before anybody even knew who Saul was. I want to show you 1 Samuel 8, 16. We need to be reminded of this because Saul is doing exactly what was predicted. 1 Samuel 8, 16. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. This was foretold a few, a couple years prior, a couple years ago. And now Saul had already started doing exactly what God said he would. Take, take, take. Steal, steal, steal. In fact, the warning also stated that he would take the people's livestock and property too. And Saul was just getting warmed up. He, he ruled over Israel about maybe 40 years or so. This is the first two and he's just getting warmed up. Eventually, he would drive them into desperation again. But by the time he does this, by the time he pushes Israel into desperation, 1 Samuel 8 and 18 says, you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. You know, people like to tell me, oh, the Lord hears all prayers. He, uh, according to the Bible, he doesn't. We've got to be biblical. Are you a willful sinner? Are you an unrepentant, willful sinner? Got to have it my way. I'm going to sin and I'm going to enjoy it. But when I pray to God, he has to hear you, hear me? No, he doesn't. There's other scriptures that talk about it. One of them is, men, if you abuse your wives, he won't hear your prayer. Never gets past the ceiling. So we need to be aware of that. But we understand here in the context of chapter 13, Israel had rejected God and they've given themselves over to a wicked king who had no reverence for the things of the Lord. And so he is the cause of a lot of conflict. Jonathan even said so. My father has troubled the land. But even though Israel rejected God, he still sent them Jonathan, who went to fight for their victory. And now their desperation has caused them to finally become bold enough to stand up for Jonathan. Now, and this brings us to the Jesus parallel that I want to show you in 1 Samuel 14. Now, as you know, Israel rejected God to have Saul rule over them. And even in their rejection, he still gave them Jonathan, a savior to lead them to victory. Romans 3, this now comes to us. That was about Israel, but this now comes to you and I. Romans 3 says that we have all rejected God. We have all told God that we would rather have our lives ruled by another king, not you. We picked another king for ourselves and says, I want to worship that king, not you, God. We've all done that. But even in our rejection of him, he still sent us Jesus, our Savior, to lead us to victory. Wow. In fact, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But I want to take it, I want to cut in a little deeper than that, because I said this same stuff last Sunday. <laughs> Let's take it further. Saul wanted to execute the death penalty on whoever it was that sinned. And when the lot fell on Jonathan, remember what Jonathan said in 1 Samuel 14, verse 43. What did he say? He said, I only tasted honey. 
I only ate honey. Jonathan never ate any blood. He only ate honey. And besides that, Jonathan never heard the command. When Saul said, nobody eats, it never made it to Jonathan. So basically, Jonathan did nothing wrong. Jonathan did absolutely nothing wrong. Whether you're hung up on the fact that Saul said no eating at all or no eating with the blood. It came down to the fact that Saul said, eat here, but don't sin by eating blood. You treacherous people, you terrible people, don't sin against the Lord by eating the blood. That was the issue that came at hand was eating the blood. Jonathan said, I just ate honey. I just ate honey. Verse 27, Jonathan is the only guy that never heard the command. He did nothing wrong. And so when Saul asked the Lord to give a perfect lot, I want to ask you this question because you know God caused the lot to fall on Jonathan. He says, give a perfect lot. Why did God cause the lot to fall on the one and only guy that never did anything wrong? Why did God bring that lot of penalty, death, bring the lot to fall on the one guy that did not sin? Why did God set Jonathan up to die for everybody else? I'll tell you why. Because God is trying to show us who Jesus is. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow! There's the gospel and yet another chapter of 1 Samuel. (laughs) God set Jesus to die for us, the one guy who did nothing wrong, to die for our death penalty, to pay it for us. Now, Jonathan, he said in verse 43, he said, now I must die. He knows he didn't do anything wrong. He said, I just ate honey. And right after that, he goes, so I got to die. Interesting. Jonathan, what that means is that Jonathan was willing to pay that price to save his people, even though he knew he himself did nothing wrong. He knew that his own death was worth it for them. Jesus knew he had to die on the cross. He was willing to pay that price to save his people, even though he himself did nothing wrong. He knew that his own death was worth it for you. I see Jesus and Jonathan. I see a foreshadowing picture of Jesus and Jonathan. Now, we saw how God intervened and spared Jonathan's life, right? But as for Jesus, it says in Romans 8.32, God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Jonathan was spared. Jesus was not. Had God spared Jesus, we would have still had to die for our own sin, you see. For those of you out there who have never given your life to Jesus, for real, I mean for real, not just because you just say you have, but if you've not genuinely given yourself to Jesus like this, like like a Jonathan, to the point of willing to lay your life down for your friends, that is the love of Christ. If you've never done this, I want to ask you, after knowing how Jesus died for your sins, how can you continue to tell God, no, I want a different king? How can you keep saying that after knowing what you know now? What other king, Ray, what other king are you talking about? I don't know, money, politics, drugs, alcohol, just fill in the selfish blanks. 
What other king have you given yourself to? Why not give yourself to the one who gave you victory? You see, the people were giving themselves to a king that never gave them a victory, but Jonathan did, and they gave themselves over to Jonathan. The other king that you have been serving, that other king has never solved any of your problems yet to this day. Why do you keep trusting in that king? It, that king has stolen from you. The king, This false king has stolen your peace, has stolen your joy, has stolen your strength. And this wicked king that you, for some reason, allow to sit on the throne in your heart, that king harasses you at every turn and constantly stirs up war. In fact, this false king has waged so much war and has forced you into such a desperate situation that you are weak and you are terrified. I remember how I was. And so I know how some of you might be. You're scared. You're scared of everything going on because you're bowing to the wrong king. You're bowing to a warring king. If this is you, it's time to turn from that wicked king. It's time to dethrone that king and follow a new leader. Now, I'm here to tell you about salvation in Jesus. His free gift of eternal life. It is a very sweet gift that Jesus offers you, but for some reason, for some reason, you've never partaken of it. Now, I want you to recall, let's all recall together how the Israelites had that honey right in front of them. I mean, it was right there and they were hungry and they were starving, weren't they? But for some reason, they were too afraid to eat it. They were too afraid to eat I know that you've been hurt in your past. I know you've been lied to. I know you've been stolen from. And I know that you have been injured. But please don't allow that abusive king to make you too terrified to partake of the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 34 and 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Friends, the Lord is good. He's not like that abusive king that tore you down. And when you finally make Jesus your new king, when you finally taste his goodness, it will brighten your countenance. King Jesus will not harass you. King Jesus wants to save you. King Jesus will not abuse you. King Jesus will not steal from you. King Jesus will not take King Jesus gives. He is a giver of peace, and he restores what you have lost. So dethrone that old king that you've been serving who has done nothing but brought you war, Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That's the king I want. That old king I used to serve, he's gone, he's done, he's never coming back to this guy again. Friends, when the Israelites finally had enough oppression, They finally had enough abuse. You remember how they suddenly became bold enough to stand up for Jonathan? Friend, I know you've had enough with your oppression. I've had mine too. But now I'm asking you to be bold enough to stand up for Jesus. Remember how I showed you the law in Leviticus 17.10, where it says, don't eat the blood. I want to show you that again, but I want to carry you into the verse that comes after it. Leviticus 17.10, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, 
And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Atonement means to cover, to cover. You ever forgotten your wallet and you're at dinner and you already ate and now you owe a debt and your friend goes, hey, I got you covered. Okay, that's atonement. He just covered your bill. We all have a death penalty against our sin, but don't worry. Jesus has you covered. God has given it to you upon the altar, which is where sacrifices are made. It was done in a sacrifice on a cross. For it is in the blood of Jesus that makes atonement for your souls. Matthew 26, 28, he said, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Jesus Christ. That's why I always like to say you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Father, thank you for 1 Samuel 14. Lord, that foreshadowing picture of Jonathan, he did nothing wrong, but he was willing to die if it meant saving the people. Lord, thank you for Jesus who knew no sin. He didn't have to do this. He did nothing wrong. I did. We did. We are the sinner. But he went to die for us anyway. Thank you, Lord God, that you spared Jonathan. It shows that you are a saving God. And I have to also say too, Lord, thank you for not sparing Jesus, because that still shows that you are a saving God, because it saved me. Lord, what, what a lot of depth in 1 Samuel 14. Lord, your word is rich with things of the gospel, the things of Jesus, your plan for each and every one of us to save us, to give us a hope, to build us up, to encourage us, to not take from us, but to give to us. But Lord, if only people will taste of your goodness and let it brighten their countenance. Friend, if your countenance is down, if you walk with a frown on your face, if you walk with your head down all the time, you need your countenance brightened. Taste of the sweetness of the goodness of the Lord and let him brighten your countenance. Let him lift your head up. He'll give you a new life. He'll give you joy. He'll restore back the things the enemy took from you. He will, get, he will wage war back against the oppression that tries to come and steal away your life. If you feel trapped, there's no way out. I can't deal with this anymore. Then it's time to make a stand and be bold for Jesus. Follow with me in prayer. Lord, I sinned. I ruined it. Forgive me, Father. I can't even pay for it. I, I don't even have my wallet, so to speak. I have not enough spiritual currency to buy my way out of the mess I got myself into. And I realize your word says Jesus can afford it, and he did pay for it. Thank you, Jesus, for covering me. Thanks for your atonement. Thanks for your forgiveness. Thank you for your blood. I accept your gift of eternal life. You're my new king. I now follow you as Lord. Thank you. What do I do? I'm going to read your word. I'm going to pursue the body of Christ. I'm going to, I'm going to do the things you love, Lord. I'm going to follow your commands. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just heard me on the radio, if you just gave your life to Jesus Christ, follow the information at the end of this radio show and say something. Contact me. Let me know. I want to hear it, okay? Thank you. Amen.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.